Good morning. How are we? We good? All right, I want to have some fun. You ready? If you have a phone, go ahead and take it out and turn your flashlight on, okay? So some of you just went, man, I am out. That whole turning the flashlight thing is just too much. Okay, got it? When you got it, hold it up. Flashlight's on. You're going to want to do this. Trust me. Like, let's just have some fun. Make, make it light. Flashlight's up. Come on. There's still dark pockets. I know some of you. I know you. You have phones. Get your phones up. Okay? All right. So here's how it works. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and you're going to respond by, if, it, if you resonate with it, you're going to lift your light up. Okay? All right. So lights down. We'll start really easy. Ready? Really easy. Are you, some of you are like still blinding me. You can put your phone down. Phone down. Are you a decaf person? Are you a caffeinated? You know what I figured out about the decaf people? God put enough caffeine in them. They don't need no more because praise God, if they have it, they're out of control. So, okay, so that one's easy enough. Okay, here we go. Are you a cereal person in the morning. You saw that I was going to say cereal killer. Cereal person in the morning. Okay. Toast is your thing in the morning. Bagel. Something different. There's all the bacon and eggs people right there. Some of you are like, I like all that. I just, I just keep, keep raising my, my phone. Uh, okay. Switching gears a little bit. Did you go to... Christian, a Christian school growing up. Okay? You were homeschooled growing up. Public school. Some of you are like, I was all three. That was me. I was totally confused. Don't know what's what. Um, okay, uh, let's go for. Okay, you are the person that loves to dance. Okay, y'all got to dance more in church. I'm just saying, okay? You are the person in the room that you're like, if there's a dance, I am not going. I, 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 okay. And, and how many of you in the room, out of curiosity, were not allowed to go to dances growing up? One, two, three. Oh, come on. Um, okay. What about, what about, uh, let's go with. The movies. You are a person that if there is a movie coming out, you have to go to the movies to see that movie. Okay, it's, cheap, it's cheaper to rent. Okay, so you are the person that is, that is, you rent the movie. You could care less about the movies. Okay? And, and how many of you were not allowed to go to movies growing up? Come? Okay? Um... Okay, okay, this one. You are the person that likes to have a glass of wine with your meal. All right. I can make a joke. I'm going to show restraint. Okay. You, you are not at all. Wine is not your thing. You're not having a drink at your meal. Okay. Growing up for you... Wine was wrong. Okay? Uh, you can turn your flashlights off. That way it'll save your battery. Just being nice. Here, here's the thing. As I was studying this week for this message, it hit me 
that there are more gray moments of life than black and white. Now, hang on, hang on let, me, let me say this again because it's super important for where we're going, okay? There are more gray moments in your life than there are black and white moments. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. You woke up today, you put your clothes on, you won't find a chapter and verse about the clothes you are wearing, the style of them, the color of them. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find a chapter and verse saying that you should wear white shoes with your outfit or that you should wear, I don't even know what color this is, but you should wear this color shirt. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find that you should go to Denny's over IHOP for when you get out of here. You're not going to find, like, when you wake up in the morning, should you, should you have cereal, bagel, toast? Like, you're not going to find a chapter and verse that says, those are gray moments of life. You're not going to find a chapter and verse that says, you should do this job. You're not going to find a chapter and verse that says, you should put your kids here and here and here. We have more gray moments in our life than we do black and white. And so here's, here's kind of coming back around on where we are in the series. If, if we declare, like we did in the first four weeks of this thing, that I am a Christian, and here's what a Christian looks like, and as Ron unpacked for us, that a Christian is so full of love that we should be known by love because we are so loved, that that should be what we're known by, and that should pour out of us. And, and then we carried on, and we had Sven and the glass. You guys remember that? And, and to see Sven is to see the glass, and to see you is to see Jesus and that whole thing. And, and then inside of you that you've been packed with all of this stuff from God that you are forgiven and you are blessed. And on top of that, that he took his Holy Spirit and he put the Holy Spirit inside of you. When you say, I am a Christian, what you're really declaring is that the presence of God is here inside of me right now. Then we better figure out how to live in the gray as a Christian. And this becomes vital because living in the gray is where we spend the bulk of our time. And so we started this part of the series where we talked about that when we live in the gray, that there are these scriptures that become an umbrella for being in the gray. That they become guidelines, if you like, for being in the gray. And Ron started out the week one with this idea of the covering, that the Bible covers us. The, the, the word of God, and specifically he used the one where it talked about that everything you do, do what? As unto the Lord. And, and so as I interact with the gray, I do it, do it as unto the Lord. Mike unpacked last week the idea that we have free. By the way, did you know that when you say you're a Christian, you're free? Like that freedom doesn't mean that you're just like partially free. That means you can go anywhere and do anything. It doesn't mean they're all good, and it doesn't mean they're all profitable. But you have the freedom to do them. You are free. So if we are free to enter the grave, then man, we better have a way of having a defining, defining covering. And just like an umbrella protects you in the rain, so the scriptures and and some of these things that God has put in motion protect us. And today I want to unpack another one for you. And it's taken out of Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible, turn there. If you have the Bible app, find it on that. If not, I would say download the app. But in Matthew chapter 6, I I, I want to build an umbrella and then I want to give you an example of, of kind of how that plays out.
Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to jump in in verse 9. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm just going to read the first word. And if we could, if we could all just read it together. Um, it's pretty familiar. We call it the Lord's Prayer. So here we go. This. power and the glory forever and ever. This idea formulates the last umbrella we want to put over. And I got to be honest with you, I wasn't going here when this series started. I was going the route of, of, of whatever is good, whatever is noble, that we, we dwell on those things out of Philippians. But that becomes a covering. And then as I began to study, God starts to go, I think... I want you to go this way. I want you to go this way. And as I started to read it, I'm like, but that's, that's like the Lord's Prayer. Like, and, and he said, yeah, read it. Next, go to the next slide for me. This then is how you should what? Pray. Did you know the way you pray is the way you should live? Did you know the way you pray is the way you should live? Here's what I mean. If you're praying for a door to open, then you should live like what? The door's going to open. That God can open the door. That God will point you there. So start moving towards the what? Towards the door. Right? If you're praying for healing, that you should live like God can what? Heal you. That when you pray, the way you pray, that you should, if I'm praying that God will be my provider, then I live like God is my provider provider. The way I pray should be the way I live. And so if we take that concept and then we go into our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. Instantly, what just happened for me in creating this umbrella is is the minute I pray, our Father, I am now declaring that I am a what? A child of who? God. Essentially, I'm saying I am a Christian. I am a child of God. Instantly it frames up for me. It becomes an umbrella over my life, if you like, that I am a child of God in this moment. I'm a child of God in the black and white. I'm a child of God in the gray. I am a child of God. That becomes the first part. Remember who you are. Remember you're a child of God. And then carries on. It says, hallowed be your what? Name. Hallow be your name. So, so now under this umbrella, under this umbrella where, where I'm first declaring you're my father and I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm a child of yours, right? There's, there's belonging there that, that I am a child of yours. Then the second thing I'm saying is it's about your name. It's about your name. So that's the next part of the umbrella. It's about your name. So, so I'm a child of God living in the black and white, living in the gray, doing life. And inside of that, now everything I do is about your name. Next verse. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. So now as, as, as a Christian, I'm going, I'm going, I'm a child of yours, right? It's all about your name. And I believe that you have a kingdom. I believe that you have a throne. I believe that you are a God who sits on a throne. And now I want your will, the way it is in heaven, I want that to be where? On earth. I want it here. I want it here. Did you know that by the very Spirit of God indwelling you, every single place you go, God is there? Why? Oh, yeah, there's his overarching presence, but there's also his what? Presence that's inside of you. That the gray isn't absent of God, especially when you're there. And so now when I enter those spaces and when I walk in those spaces, what I'm actually saying is, God, as it is in heaven, I want that here and now in this moment. Okay, hang on a sec. Like, just think about that for a second. What is heaven like? No suffering? People not hating each other? There's, there's no divisions? There, there's, there's no hierarchies? There, there's no people using other people to get their gain? There's no, I'll work harder than you and get ahead of you and then somehow I have power over you? There's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no tears. Uh-uh. I want that here now. I want that here now. You know who the agent for that is? Where's Jesus right now? Heaven. Who'd he leave? Take a look around. Who'd he leave? Us and what he put inside of us. The Spirit, so that what? So that his kingdom can be where? Here, now, through us. So, so when we pray this umbrella, this umbrella that covers us, it's, it's I'm remembering who I am as a child of God. I'm remembering, I'm remembering that life is about his name. And now as I walk in the space, I'm going, God, where's the miracle? Where is heaven coming to earth? Where is heaven crashing into earth? How are you going to pour out of me? How is your spirit? How is your presence? How are you and your power going to pour out of me? Because you put me here. Like, that changes the gray. The gray all of a sudden becomes an opportunity for a miracle. The gray also all of a sudden becomes a space where anything can happen. By the way, I had such a... Somebody came up to me and I was so humbled. I was, it was somebody on campus. I was out back and I was painting something. And, and he came up and he goes, I can't tell you what it means, how much it means to see a pastor doing this. And I just kind of smiled at him. I go, you know, God gave me a vision of heaven a while ago. And when we get there, it's not going to be like this. So why would I live here like it's like that? See, that's dynamic. That, that changes the way we approach everything. That changes the way we move. That changes, that changes the way. Because what, what that actually means is it's not my job to reach Prescott with the gospel. It's our job. It's not my job to bring heaven to earth. It's our job. It's not on me to exist and move and be the representation of Jesus. It's our job to move and be the representation of Jesus as the Spirit leads and moves out through us. So I got to thinking, all right, so, okay, so, 
So if, if you want to see God, look at Jesus. Right? So I was going, okay, if, if Jesus was here and Jesus was in the gray, if God was in the gray, what would it look like? And he went, go to John 2. So John chapter 2, if you'll turn there. John chapter 2, um, and the story we're about to dive into is what I believe Jesus living in the gray, which just to say those words, some people are going, Jesus never lived in the gray. Check it out. On the third day... A wedding took place. By the way, that word took place. Like the literal interpretation is it just came about. Like it just happened. And I'm like, okay, how does a wedding just... Anyways, a wedding took place in Cana and Galilee. Now a wedding in Jewish terms, especially first century, it it could last for up to a week. Um, Some went two weeks. So, so like a wedding was a celebration. It was, it was designed to be a week-long celebration of what was taking place. It was a party. Um, it was a controlled party, especially in Jewish context. But it was designed to be a party. And it, and it says here, there's a, there's a, we put the, the period in there, but it's really just and. So Canaan, Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. Next verse. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. That's a great moment of life. I wish Jesus were refused because then I could have had a reason to refuse weddings. Um, come on. Get your, I should have you get your phones out again. How many men enjoy weddings? Like, <laughs> by the way, Christian weddings are the longest and I said this last service, and I'm probably going to regret it because some of you did it. But the whole foot washing thing, it's weird. It's weird. We know you're going to serve each other and you love each other. But, but like in a wedding ceremony, I haven't been to one yet where I haven't gone, this is just kind of awkward and weird and really long, right? So anyways, you're getting married. Ten minutes is great. Then enjoy the after party. That's, that's okay. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited, invited to a wedding. Okay, there's no chapter and verse that tells Jesus, go to the wedding or not go to the wedding. Agreed? Like this is a moment that is, that is great. This is a moment when he's got to figure out and walk into. This is a moment when he has to decide, am I going to do this or aren't I going to do this? Right? And for us, there's, there's, there's many of these we talked about up top, but there's many of these that come in our life. I don't know how many wedding invitations I get in a year. I don't know how many invitations to dinner or how many invitations to hang out with this friend or how many things that come across that are good things. And I'm going, oh man, should I go? Should I not go? And I'm sure your world's the same where it's constantly going, do I walk into this or don't I? And one of the things I love about this moment for Jesus is it's a gray moment and he walks into it. He walks into it. Next verse. When the wine was gone. By the way, the word wine, just so we're clear in this passage. Because people try and like, well, it wasn't really wine. It was like, okay, the, the actual definition when you break it down goes like this. A fermented, a fermented drink that comes from the juice of grapes. What does that sound like? Good. 
When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. When the wine was gone, Jesus is in the midst of the gray. Jesus is in the midst of the gray. And now the opportunity, the opportunity for heaven to crash into earth comes where? In the gray. Okay, just translating for us, I don't think we should fear the gray believers. I don't think we're meant to walk in fear. I think we're meant to walk in confidence. But there's some keys here that we pick up as we walk through of what was really going on with Jesus, okay? But I think the gray, oftentimes, the church has done, and we just did it, right? We just did it. Some of you, some of you went, I wasn't allowed to dance. Can you, can you imagine asking those questions 40 years ago in church? Oh, man, I wouldn't be a preacher anymore because I'd be probably hanging from a tree somewhere. I mean, that's how serious it was. You can't dance, you're a believer. And what it was was man taking Scripture and trying to, trying to interpret Scripture, and because it was a gray area and they couldn't define it, what they did was they put parameters and went, you can't do it. If you say you're a Christian, you can't do it. But we don't have chapter and verse for it. We'll just make some up. Movies. Couldn't go to the movies. Wine. Did we even talk about wine in a, amongst certain denominations? Would not have been okay. Why? Because we, for so long, the church, instead of, instead of grasping what God has done in us and where he's put us, we set up parameters to go, we'll make it to where we're safe. I don't think your faith was ever supposed to be safe. I think you're supposed to walk in confidence that the very spirit of God indwells me and that gives me the confidence and the power and the assurity to walk into any situation and know that I can stand and know that I can navigate and to know that, remember the umbrella, that I can remember I'm a child of God, I can honor God's name and I can see heaven crash into earth right here, right now. They have no more wine. Interesting that Jesus' mother, um, they believe that, that in the, the way the residency was set up of this, that her, her quarters would have been close to where the wine was kept, and so she would have heard about it first. Now, the women's role in the first century, she would have taken care of the private realm. Jesus would have been in the public realm. It was all out of the house. Hers was all in. So, so when this happened, when they ran out of wine, what she goes into is defense of the private realm. And here's what I mean. That, that the host of the wedding to run out of wine would have left them in shame. And so now she is trying to cover their shame by running to Jesus, right? Which I believe she's actually responding from a nudge of the Spirit. I think she learned how to walk in the Spirit. Remember when she was a kid and, hey, you're going to have a baby? And, and she's like, I'm a virgin. He's like, you're still going to have a baby? And, and she learned the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Remember when um, they needed to protect and they moved out under the guides of the Spirit when Jesus was little? I think she had learned the nudges of the Spirit of God. And I think one of the things we can do if we're going to live and exist in the gray, we need to understand, we need to be so closely connected to God that we understand the nudges of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to see where she went. She went to who? Jesus. She went to Jesus. She went to Jesus. She's going, man, and now she's pulling him from the public to the private realm going, take care of this. 
And he responds with, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. That's one way to read it, right? But you need to understand that the, the reference woman, when Jesus is on the cross and he's going to take care of his mother and he's setting up someone to take care, he uses the term mother, uh, woman. I don't believe this was him looking down on her and him. What I believe happens next is this next phrase, why do you involve me, is actually... Um, He's actually saying to her, what is it to you and to me? What to me and to you is the literal interpretation. What he's doing is he's pulling himself away from the demands of the earthly in that moment. He's pulling himself away. He's disconnecting him going, I don't know if I'm supposed to get in the private realm yet. I don't know if I'm supposed to go down the miracle trail because if I go down the miracle trail, it leads to the cross. Like that's the road that begins this. And, And so he's actually in this moment disconnecting him and her going basically of what concern is it? Why, why are we getting involved? My hour has not yet come. Okay, heaven, remember heavenly minded, heaven coming here, right? So where does his mind go? I'm here to do the will of the Father is what Jesus said. I'm here, what you see me do is what he's told me to do, right? So in this moment, what he's actually saying is I don't know if I'm supposed to, in this moment, in the gray, do what you are demanding that I do. And so he goes, my hour hasn't yet come. And he's disconnecting, stepping away. Next verse. Notice what she does. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. That's faith. That's someone who knows her Jesus. That's someone who in the midst of the grave goes, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. Next verse. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Next verse. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water so they filled them to the brim. Okay, between when he disconnects himself and this moment, I believe because he was here to do the will of the Father and he was here to do what the Father told him, that there was communication between who? Between Jesus and the Father and the Father gave the okay for him to step into this moment. I believe, like, like if we put this into the context of us living in the gray, then I believe for us there are moments when in the midst of the gray we better be in communion with the Holy Spirit. We better be in communion with God. Why? So that we know when to move and when to stay. Our job is to follow the nudges of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to, to listen to what's going on because here's the point. If we don't, we might just miss the miracle that God wants to do in the midst of the gray. See, here's what's amazing. Jesus hasn't left the gray. By the way, six stone jars, these weren't the clay pots. These were actually stone-carved jars. They were big. It's actually believed that this water is what's used for ceremonial bathing. They were that big. And he takes these jars, and he says, fill them to the brim. By the way, that would have been about 180 gallons of wine. 900 bottles, like our our normal average bottle size, 750. 900. Okay? And Jesus, in the midst of the gray, goes, I'm going to do a miracle. Okay, here's the thing I want you to get. Had Jesus not 
gone into the gray, the moment for the miracle would have been missed. See, I believe for you, I don't believe that God wants to take all the Christians and move us all to the black and white. I don't. I believe that God wants to take all the Christians and he wants us to live and move and exist inside of the gray. Why? Because there are miracles that need to happen. Heaven needs to crash into earth through you. And sometimes we get so worried about, wait, 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 Jesus made wine? Some of you are going, I don't know how to explain this to my kid. You don't have to. Just read the Bible. Read the Bible. Next verse. Then, Jesus, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. By the way, the master of the banquet, what's really fascinating with the master of the banquet, it was that person's job to make sure that no one got drunk Right, And so they would water down the wine to make sure that, one, it lasted longer, but to make sure that the party, especially in Jewish context, that the party was under control, you know what I mean? Um, but they've run out. So whose fault is it? The master of the banquet. And where does Jesus send the first taste? To restore the master of the banquet. See, here's what's fascinating to me. Like, Jesus is in the gray, and that's bad enough to explain, right? But in the midst of the gray, this isn't about saving a life. The first miracle isn't about saving a life. It's about saving shame. It's about not allowing shame to come on this this moment, this this family that's putting on this affair. It's not about going in and saying, because for me, I'm like, come on, Jesus, you're here. Save a life. Do something big. And he's like, I'm going to change water to wine. By the way, there's a hundred chemical reactions to make that happen. And he says, fill it to the brim and take some, take some and save face for the family and this master of the banquet. They did so. Next verse. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside. Next verse. And said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had how much? Too much. I just want to be clear, okay? Because we're, we're talking about the gray. People were getting drunk, right? That was the pattern that this party was going. And where is Jesus found? At the party. At the party. And, and here's, here's what I believe for Jesus is the grounding moment. He knew who his father was. He knew the name he represented. And he knew that he was here to bring heaven to earth. Sounds an awful lot like your umbrella. And see, what that did in that moment is it gave him the freedom because he's there. And what is he on? I know who my father is. When he says move, I'll move. It's about his name and people seeing him And then lastly, it's about bringing heaven here. But you have saved the best till now. Next verse. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. He revealed his 
glory. Essentially, he put all of heaven, including who God was, including who he was, he put it on display where? In the gray. And in the gray, he goes, this is what God is like. This is what God can do. This is who God is. And he encourages and he inspires through this to what? Now the disciples saw the glory revealed. They saw heaven show up. And in the midst of seeing heaven show up, it equaled what for them? Faith for them. Okay, let's unpack it for us. Okay? I am a what? A Christian. What that means is I have been saved and the Holy Spirit indwells me. But God hasn't taken me off this planet. God has left me here. And as we move, we breathe. And as we go out, we what? We represent who? Him and what he's about. We represent him in each and every space. And so for us now, for us now, our job is as we move and as we exist is to listen to the nudges of the Holy Spirit of where the miracle's coming from. To have eyes to see the miracles that God's put in front of you. To take each moment, those moments when you're like, I don't know what to do, the best thing you can do is what? Stop, pray, remind yourself who you are, remind yourself it's about his name, and remind yourself what? Your will be done here. Do it here. Do it now. Do it here. Do it now. Can you imagine you, you leave here, right? And, and let's say you choose IHOP. It's gray. Denny's might be better today. Well, probably not. IHOP. <laughs> but where you choose to go, it's your choice. Maybe it's in and out instead because it's almost lunchtime. Chick-fil-A would be good, but they're taking their time. They'll get here eventually. But your, your role as you walk into the gray is, man, it's not just you. It's a child of God that walks through the doors. And as you step foot into that area, that you, you're just eating lunch, that God wants to perform a miracle there. The question is, do you have eyes to see it? Because did you walk in the building going, your will be done here, now, here, now. And you go home. And I don't know what your home's like. I don't know if it's a family, it's roommates. I have no idea what your home's like. But you ended up there, right? And you walk into that space. Here, now, what? Heaven crashing into earth. How and why? Because you're there and you are a Christian. And the Holy Spirit is working through you. And you go to work on Monday. And you hate your job. Right? Some of us, that's life. I've done jobs that I really didn't like. By the way, I landscaped in Arizona. And did you know that God dropped the rocks right over Arizona? The bag broke and they're all right here. We used to take a jackhammer and jackhammer into rocks because some rich person went, I want to plant right in the middle of the rock. Bless you. Right? But when you get out with the jackhammer in hand, you're not just jackhammering into rock. You are a living representation of God himself 
who is there on a mission going here, now, heaven on earth. It can be that. And God made it possible because he put inside of you as a Christian the Holy Spirit of himself. Do you know you can have peace even in the midst of the worst job? Did you know that what you consider mundane, God doesn't consider mundane? You know how I know he showed up at a wedding quite a while ago. And they gave him a little word and said, the wine's run out. And the only consequence is a family would have been shamed. You know how I know God cares for your shame? Because he proved it when he was here. And he showed up for that family and he showed off. Because whenever God shows up, by the way, he always shows off. And he showed up. And he saved. He saved. The shame of the family, but he did something far bigger. He put heaven on display right here, right now. May you, may you live this week like heaven is going to burst out of your chest. May you live this week like if you don't live on mission, if you don't live on mission, you're not going to be able to breathe anymore. May you shine forth the Holy Spirit that indwells you into the grave and may light be seen by all. So God, we come before you. The God who sits exalted, who reigns over all, who holds it all together now, who sustains the very breath of this moment, whose character and nature is holy and without fault, and who calls us to live each and every moment in light of being a child of yours because you rescued us. God, you call us to put you on display. And God, may heaven, may heaven crash into earth in each and every place we go from here because we showed up and we are yours. So God, strengthen us, encourage us, and give us eyes to see where heaven needs to be here now. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the cross that we will celebrate fully over the next days. Thank you for victory. Thank you for being always good. Thank you that your mercy never runs out. And God, as we sit in this moment, may we declare back to you how good, how good, how good you always are. We love you. And everybody said, amen.